Hey everyone, uh, happy post trade deadline day. Uh, today, today I want to talk about all the trades because you know there was a lot, a lot happened, a lot of big things happened, a lot of small things happened, a lot of uh, not not a lot of medium actually, yeah, some medium things happened. Um, so I, w- I just want to go over all the trades, just talk about what I think of them, what it means for those teams. You know, b- both the teams or three teams. I don't know if there were many. Uh, yeah, no, there was a four teamer. There was a four teamer today. So, you know, I want to go through all the teams. You know, just just grade them, and uh, you know, just do all the stuff that other people do too. But you know, me doing it and my analysis is better than everyone else's. Everyone knows that already. So that's what I want to do right now. And uh, the first trade I want to talk about is one that actually happened maybe a week ago, and it was the. Norman Powell, Robert Covington for Bledsoe, Winslow, and Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson, I've seen like a couple times. I, I don't know what to make of him. He's pretty young, so I have no idea. And they also got a, a second round pick, the Blazers did. So my problem with this trade is I think I think a second rounder for Rocco, yeah, that makes sense. Like Robert's not really that good. He's He's fine. Like I think he's a... Like, it's been talked to death about his defense where he's not really a great, you know, one-on-one defender, but he is a good help defender, which which is correct. Like, he's a he's a very good help defender. Um, and I think he's not bad on knowing what to do on defense as a one-on-one guy where, yeah, he can't stay in front of someone, so they'll scheme it towards, like, he's going to force someone to go left because, you know, they can't go left. He's going to force someone to go right because they can't go right. He's going to force someone to go, you know, middle because, you know, they're bad going middle. He's going to force someone to go baseline. He follows the game plan really well. So, like, I think you could have gotten a second rounder just for him alone. The one that the one, the one that makes this trade, like, what the fuck are y'all doing is Norman Powell. You Not getting it first for Norman Powell. Norman Powell, let me just see. How long has it been now? The last three? Is it two or three? Let me check to make sure. Make sure I have this right. One, two. Okay, the last three years. The last three years. Norman Powell is averaging 18 points on, what is it, 62% true shooting? Let me just make sure. On 61% true shooting. 18 points on 61% true shooting. The league average in that time is, what, like 56? So he's like 5% above league average as a scorer. He's making 41% of his threes. And he's under contract and he's young. Like, I think his defense is overrated. I don't think he's a great defender. I think he's fine. Like I think he's fine. And he's only making what? 15, 16, 18, 19, and 20 mil. Like, y'all just gave him away for Eric Bledsoe. He can't do anything. Eric Bledsoe is done. Nah, I, I wouldn't say he's done. I think he's, I think he's a solid, I think he could be a solid backup point guard. Winslow, I, I don't know what to make of Winslow. If he's healthy, he could be a player for you. But if he's not healthy, like, he's not giving you anything. And he's, at this point, because he can't, he hasn't developed as a shooter, you can't really play him at the three. So you have to play him at the four, and he's six six. So you know your sacrifice. If you put him out there, you can put him as a, you know, Bruce Brown, Gary Pin, like, uh, role man. But at the same time, like he's six six. On defense, you're sacrificing rebounding, you're sacrificing rim protection, and size. Like, it's a big deal. So not getting a first rounder for Norman Powell, I think, was disgusting. Um... For the Clippers, though, holy shit. Well, I think uh, Covington's a free agent after this year, so he might leave. I don't know. But getting you get you get a third guy to a like potentially healthy Kawhi and Paul George for next year. So you have one guy who can give you 30 a night in the playoffs. You have another guy who can, you know, who showed last year he can give you a consistent, you know, 24, 25 points. And now you add a third guy playing off of those two guys. 
that's already shown that he can average, you know, 70 to 17 to 20 points a night on efficient shooting, playing off of other people. He's already shown that. So, and then you look at their depth, it's 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 great depth. You know, Batum is there for another year. Kennard, Mann, um, Marcus Morris, Zubak, Hartenstein. Like, Reggie Jackson, I think they're next year too. So, you know, the Clippers are going to be a force next year. And um, I would give them an A-plus for that trade. I think that was a great trade for them. Portland, I would give them like a C-minus, maybe a D. I would give them a D, honestly, because I don't... I, I'm giving them a D. I didn't, I didn't like what they did at all. Because it's not... Because one of their... When you think about it, you can trade these players and get picks and players that you can trade for other players to still help CJ next year. But you no no one wants Keon Johnson. No one wants Eric Bledsoe. No one wants Justin Winslow. You know, the second round pick, like, I don't know what that's going to do for you. Like, I guess it's a Detroit one, so I guess it could just be like a, you know, early second round, which is just essentially a late first rounder. Um, but I feel like you get that you get that pick for Rocco, and then you have to get a first rounder for Norman. Like, you have to. Norman's too good not to get a first rounder. Um, I guess their argument would be, you know, Bledsoe, I think Bledsoe and Winslow are going to be free agents, so now we're opening up cap space. But you guys have never signed anyone ever. So unless you're just talking about, hey, you know, we're just going to sign one or two guys, overpaid by like five mil, but like get two good players. Yeah, I guess that would make sense, but you have to get the players. I, I personally just don't like not getting a first round for Norman Powell. Um, anyway, so I'm going to... I guess given like the cap flexibility, I would, I, I'm not going to give it a D then. I would give it a... C. Just a C. Alright, uh next trade. I think I went on the wrong website by accident. <laughs> uh next trade. Karis Levert to Karis Levert and a twenty twenty two second round via Miami, so that's not really gonna be that good. It's probably gonna be like fifties. Um fifties, yeah, probably. And the Pacers got Ricky Rubio's contract. He's not gonna play the rest of the year. And I think he's coming off the books. They get a first-round pick, Cleveland's this year, a second-round pick, Houston this year, so that's going to be a late first, essentially, and a second-round pick this year, Utah, which is going to be a late second round. So you you essentially gave up a first-round, a mid-first-round probably, like a 20th, which is going to be your own pick, and you gave up a Houston second-round pick, which is probably going to be like 33, 34. So it's... So you give up a mid-first round and essentially like a late-first round pick for Karis LeVert. And Karis LeVert, in theory, is a very good player. But when you actually watch him play, he's not all that impressive. He can go off, which makes you go, oh, wow, if he did that consistently, you know, he would be great. But, like, if everyone played, like, their best selves, then, yeah, like, you could say that about every single fucking player. Like, if Jason Tatum, you know, uh, just... On his best nights where he's got 34 points on, you know, 11 for 19 shooting. Yeah, like, yeah, he'd be in the conversation for best player in the... No, he probably still wouldn't, honestly. He probably still wouldn't, honestly. He'd, he'd be in the conversation for, like, MVP. Yeah, sure. But that's not who he is, and that's not what Karras is. Karras is a career 33% three-point shooter. The Cavaliers needed three-point shooting. They needed secondary playmaking in that starting group because no one else other than Garland can dribble. Especially with Rubio out. Now you don't even have... Uh, like, like Rubio and Garland played a lot together and they would close a lot of games out and you had two ball handlers that way. With Rubio out, Sexton out, now you now you got like Rondo. Rondo's... He can play, but like he's really not someone you really want to rely on for heavy minutes. Maybe like 12, 14, 16 minutes. Okay. Um, who else is there? Brandon Goodwin? He's not doing anything. Um, so Karis Levert is a secondary ball handler. He, he is that. So, you know, they, they, you, they can check mark that off the list. The problem is he can't shoot the ball. He shoots 33% from three. And, you know, someone mentioned he's a 39% catch and shoot guy this year. He barely takes catch and shoot, like a couple misses here and there. And now it's going to be down to like 33 four thirty three percent 
And his shooting is so absurd. It's like one year he's shooting like elite from catch and shoot. Another year he's shooting elite from, not elite, but good from pull up. And the next year is back to catch and shoot's good, pull up's bad. It's so dumb. So, I don't know. I thought it was a, I thought it was a B minus move. Like, like if if I were them, I would have gone after. I would have maybe taken away one of. I would have gave up our first round pick and the U, the the Cavs twenty twenty um, two this year's uh, pick and the Utah pick for like Eric Gordon. And I don't understand why Houston wouldn't do that. Um, and you know that way you get that you know secondary ball handler and you get a shooter and you get a pretty decent defender. But Karis Levert, it gives them you know pretty good size at the two. Um, you know now you got Garland. Now now your two through five is what six six, seven feet, seven feet, seven feet. So you know, pretty good size. Maybe they're just gonna try suffocating everyone on defense and like just. Well, that's what they've already been doing. So I guess it's not something they're gonna do now. You know they've already been doing it. Um, but I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like the trade that much. I thought it was. I thought it was fine. Like he's a good player. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about it. Uh, for Indiana, you know, they get essentially two first rounders um, and a you know a second round pick, a late second round pick. So good for them. And you know, I guess they clear up cap space in the off season with Rubio as an expiring. Although Levert was going to be expiring too, so I guess that doesn't really do anything for them. All right, the next trade: CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., Tony Snell for Josh Hart, Sadoransky, Nikhil Walker Alexander. I know you got traded to Utah. I'll get to that later. Um, and uh, what is it? A 2022 protected first rounder, uh, 2026 second round pick swap, 2022 second round pick swap. So you got CJ, Nance, and Snell for Josh Hart and a protected first round pick. I think that's a pretty good haul for them. You know, CJ's a good player. I, I imagine when everyone is healthy... They're going to put him at point guard, but it's going to be more of like a system point guard type thing because you can't play Devontae and CJ together when everyone is healthy. Um, even right now, like I think they tried it tonight and I didn't like it at all. I think what they should do is CJ, Ingram, Herb, Nance, uh, Jonas. And then when everyone is healthy, go with you know CJ, Ingram, Herb, Zion, Jonas, Nance coming off the bench, Snell coming off the bench, and whoever the fuck else they have. Um, the interesting thing about this trade was everyone was like, why would the Pelicans do this? Why would they do that? You know, they're 21 and 32 or whatever the fuck they are. And what they don't realize is Brandon Ingram was injured most of the year. And if you look at the games that Brandon Ingram has played fully, because one or, one or two games he got injured like very early. And I think they lost both of those games. So I don't think they should count. But in their last, I think, 42 games now, I think their record is 21 and 21. So with Ingram, they've been good. And now you add another, you know, 22, 23-point scorer to that. You add a versatile defender, a guy who can play alongside uh, uh, Zion, and a guy you can bring off the bench to play even off of, you know, Jonas and Larry Nance Jr. He can play power forward, center, and, you know, he's a switchable defender. He's a good rebounder, offensive rebounder, good, you know, good defender. So you get him. And then you also get Tony Snell, who, like, he's a fine, like, ninth man. He's, you know, the most efficient man in NBA history. You know, hasn't missed a free throw in three years. I think there was one season with the Hawks. He was shooting, like, 55% from three or something. So, like, corner threes is his thing. You have Nance. I mean, not Nance. You have Yeah, you have Nance, obviously. But you have Zion, who... You know, theoretically, him driving to the paint should open up a lot of corner threes. So you have him like Snell's a fine player too, like a like ninth, like a nice ninth man. That's not too bad. So I like the trade for the Pelicans. I would give it like a B plus, a B plus, A minus. I like the trade because I think it do, it does a lot for them. You get another twenty three point scorer. You get a versatile defender who can play next to Zion, Ingram, and CJ, uh, and. This, and and Herb Jones, of course. Can't forget Herb Jones. Herb Jones is the greatest player in NBA history. Um, 
And you know, Nance can also play next to JV. So you and Tony Snell's a fine role player. For the for the Blazers, they get Josh Hart, who's a good player. Josh Hart is like Josh Hart next to Dame is like the like the type of backcourt mate you want with Dame. You know, a defense guy who doesn't want the ball too much, you know, can create a little bit, can, you know, rebound, uh, play defense on multiple positions. Like, that's the type of guy you want. And on top of that, they do get a first-round pick for CJ. Um, and a couple of swaps. And they're Pelicans. They're, they're Pelican swaps, so depending on where the season goes for the Pelicans, um, well, they are in 2026 and 2027, so you never know what it's going to be like then. But, you know, it's like it, w- it would be reasonable to be assumed that, you know, the Pelicans would still be not good then as they have been, you know, for the last 10 years or whatever. All right, the next trade was probably the most, not the most shocking. Um, it was Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday, and a 2023 second-round pick. Uh, for the Kings, so they get Sabonis, Lamb, Holiday, and the Pacers got Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hield, and Tristan Thompson. This is a trade that I feel like got talked about a lot, and everyone was like, "Oh, the Kings are fucking idiots. Why would they do this? Why would they do this?" And then they would mention like Tyrese Halliburton's stats, where it's like, you know, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton this year is averaging, you know, fifteen points on sixty-two percent true shooting or whatever, and then I'm like. Yeah, but Sabonis the last three years has averaged like 20, 13, and 6 on 60-plus percent true shooting. He's 25 years old. He's been an all-star twice. He's a really good fucking player. <coughs> and um, so the Kings got the best player. Like, I don't really mind the trade either way. Uh, the Kings get, you know, an all-star center slash power forward. The The game that I saw him start, they had they brought Rashawn Holmes off the bench, and I I thought for sure that meant they were gonna trade Rashawn Holmes, but I guess they're gonna go with Sabonis at the center forward and Metu because he can kind of shoot but not really at the power forward. I think that's what they're doing, or maybe they were just they were trying to trade Holmes and they couldn't find a deal, and then you know next game it's gonna be Holmes and Sabonis. The shooting on this team concerns me. Uh, Sabonis can't really shoot threes like that. Rashawn can't shoot threes. Fox can't shoot threes. So they're they're really relying on Holiday and Barnes to be those three point shooters. Um, if they had one more guy, like if they had a power forward or slash center that could shoot, I would really like this team. Right now, I don't mind. I think they're fun. They're interesting. You know, I think Jeremy Lamb's gonna you know give them a spark off the bench. Holiday's a pretty good starter. Um, reliable. He's a good, reliable role player. Uh, both of them, really. And for the Pacers, they get Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton's, what, 21, 22 years old. They get Buddy Heald, a you know, shooter. Uh, Tristan Thompson's probably just like an expiring or whatever. They might even just buy him out. I don't know. Okay, so this is a Tyrese conversation. You know, the peop- the reason people were so upset at it was they think Tyrese, his upside is very high because he's been very good to start his career. My problem with Tyrese is he's a point guard who gets to the rim 12% of the time. His handle isn't that great. Like he can handle the ball of course, but his handles his his handle is good, but his handles aren't great. Like he's not going to break his man down because of his handles. And on top of that, he's not that athletic. He's like pretty average to like mediocre in terms of athleticism. So, he doesn't get to the rim, he doesn't have handles, and he doesn't have, like, superior athleticism. So, I just think his ceiling isn't as high as people think it is. You know, I think I think his ceiling is probably third guy on a championship team. Like, like a, like, in the similar tier as, like, Lonzo. That's where I see him as. You know, obviously, he's shown to be a good shooter. You know, his strengths are shooting, decision-making... But decision-making and passing as a secondary guy, like, yeah, he got those assists as a primary guy, but I think I think it, there's a difference between running plays and creating shots. Like, and I think that's what Tyrese does a lot. Like, he, he runs the plays to perfection, but I don't think he's a... 
I don't think he's a creator in the same sense where you know he's getting to the he's getting in the paint, he's creating double teams, he's passing it out and creating shots like that. That's not what really that's not really his game. His game is more, I think, right now, anyways. And by the way, I'm not like, like I I hope you know I'm wrong about it and like Tyrese becomes, you know, a 25 point you know 10 assist guy. You know, I hope he does because I just have another 25 and 10 guy to watch then. But that's just from what I've seen. I don't see high scoring ceiling. And I don't see... Like, he might make one All-Star or maybe two All-Star games in his career. But I don't see many more than, like... At most, I would say three. And no All-NBA selection. I just can't see him making an an All-NBA selection. So, you know, I think it was a good... I think it was a good trade for the Pacers. Like, Tyrese, like, you bet on Tyrese. He fits your team a little bit better because now you don't have Sabonis and Turner. Uh, and on top of that, you have Rick Carlisle, who probably is going to put Tyrese in the best position possible. Um, what else do I want to say? But they got Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald is what he is. He's gonna. He's a, he's a microwave guy. Uh, come off the bench, jack up threes, you know. And the thing with him jacking up threes is he makes like thirty eight to forty percent. So like, even though he's jacking threes up and like not even looking to pass the ball, it's still fine. Like he comes in, you know, if he's on fire, you keep playing him. If he's not, you bench him. Um, Tristan Thompson just an expiring whatever. Uh, I would for the Kings. I would say I would say it was a B for the Kings, and I'm saying B because I don't I don't think they have enough shooting really. To right now, anyways, to make it work, if they had one more shooter, or if Fox became a shooter, or if Sabonis became a better shooter, then yeah, I would like it. But right now, like it's just a B. You know, they got the best player in the they got the best player in the trade, and that that best player is not like thirty or something. He's twenty five, and they got two good role players, um, and they got the twenty twenty three. Ah, no, that's next year. Never mind. And for the Pacers, I would give them a B plus because I do like the trade. I think it makes their team a little bit better, not because Tyrese is a better player, but I think he fits. I think I think the team becomes more balanced because you don't have Turner and Sabonis now, but instead you have more shooting. You know, Brogdon, Brogdon can shoot. Uh, Tyrese can shoot, and if TJ Warren is a real person, he can shoot. Turner can not really shoot, but kind of shoot. And you get one more wing in there now. Now you got something. Now you got a good balanced team. And, um, you know, Rick Carlos, as the coach. Like, you know, it's interesting. So I would give them a B plus. Uh, the, the Blazers then traded Alexander Walker to the Jazz. They got Ingles. And a 2022 second round pick. And the Spurs traded the Jazz, Wancho uh, Hernan Gomez. And they got Sanoraski and a 2027 second round pick. So the Jazz got Nikhil Alexander Walker. I thought this was an interesting trade because I thought when they got him, they would be looking to trade Clarkson for like a, a wing. Because they they desperately need wings. They're so small, they're so small. They got Conley six one, Mitchell six one. Their small forward is what six four. The power forward is six seven. Like they they asked Rudy too much. So I thought Alexander Walker was just going to replace Clarkson's role, and they were going to trade Clarkson for a wing, but they didn't end up doing that. <clears throat> uh, Ingles was injured, so you know, I guess. You know, to make the money work or whatever. I don't know. Um, for the Jazz, uh, this I don't even want to talk about this trade. Like Alexander Walker is the only player that I guess. I guess Hernan Gomez could be like a stretch four, stretch five type, but he doesn't really shoot it well. You know, he's white, so people think he's a stretch four, but he doesn't really. He can't really shoot, so that's a problem. You know, when when you're a stretch four and you can't shoot, like that, that is a problem. Um, but I think Alexander Walker is probably going to crack the rotation. Everyone else like doesn't even matter. I don't I like I don't even want to grade it because it's so irrelevant, really. But you know, solid pickup for the Jazz, I guess. I, I you know what? Yeah, solid pickup for the Jazz because Ingles was looking like he's done, like he still knew how to play, but he lost some quickness. 
and he just didn't look the he just didn't look the same. And then he tore his ACL, and for that you get you know Alexander Walker who's like twenty two or something. Um, you know, so good for them. All right, what else? Uh, interesting. Okay, so the the Raptors got that young, and Eubanks, who I think they waived, and I think Eubanks is a guy that a lot of teams that need a backup center should go after because he's a good rebounder. He can, you know, either he can block, he can block shy. He's got good touch around the rim. He's not a great finisher. He's strong finisher at the rim. But he's got really good touch around the rim, so I think if you're if you, if you're a team that needs like um, a center playing, you know, fourteen to twenty minutes a night and be like a spot starter, like the Bulls, they should go after Eubanks right away. But the Raptors got that young for Goran Dragic and a twenty twenty two, so I guess this year, lottery protected first rounder. So they essentially traded a because they're not going to be in the lottery. So they essentially traded a first-round pick for Thad Young. I think that's a pretty bad trade for the Raptors and a great trade for the Spurs because you get a first-round pick for a guy that wasn't even playing. And for the Raptors, I just don't understand it really because it's just another guy, that another power forward that can't shoot. So Siakam's been playing excellent, but he can't shoot. Scotty Barnes can't shoot. But like Siakam can kind of shoot, but not really. Scotty Barnes can't shoot. Dad Young can't shoot. Uh, Boucher used to be able to shoot, but he can't now. Watanabe, like, he doesn't really take threes. So, you get another power forward who can't shoot. But I guess it would, it does relieve a lot of minute duties for, you know, Siakam and OG and Barnes. Where these guys were playing like 36 to 40 minutes nightly. Now it's, now it's like, okay, we can put... You know Siakam in there instead of I mean we can put Barnes on the bench, not not like him him as a six man, but like Dad can come in and give us you know twenty minutes where we take six minutes off from Siakam at center, put him out there. We can take you know six minutes off of Barnes and put him out there. So you know a good rotation piece I guess, but giving up a first round for Dad Young, I think it's pretty insane. Um, so for them, I would say a C plus. For the Spurs, I would give them an A, an A plus maybe even. Um, all right, the next trade: the Kings get Dante Divincenzo, Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles. Uh, Detroit gets Marvin Bagley. Bucks get Serge Ibaka, and the Clippers get Ojale and Rodney Hood. So let's start off with the Kings: Dante Divincenzo. He hasn't had a great season, but just watching him move, he looks like he's getting better weekly. So, you know, good. He's a good shooting guy. Like, I feel like he's probably going to be the starter because he can play defense. He can pass a little bit. He's athletic. You know, last year he showed the ability to shoot. So, you know, I feel like he's going to be the, like he's got to be the starter over Justin. Ho- yeah, Justin Holiday. So, I definitely see him being a good pickup for the Kings. And he's young too, so you know that's good. They got Josh Jackson, who I think he's is he injured for the season? No, he's not injured for the season. Okay. the The problem with like Josh Jackson's fine. The problem with him is he can't shoot the ball. And if you're the Kings, like you need players who can shoot the ball because you have Fox and Sabonis who can't shoot the ball. Um, I think like last year Josh Jackson actually had a pretty decent year, but. I guess that was more of an anomaly. Even though last year he didn't shoot it well, and this year he's shooting it even worse. So, I don't, like I don't even know if he's gonna be a like a solid rotation piece for them unless he's playing like power forward. Obviously not starting at power forward, but like just you know giving them spot minutes at power forward, like playing twelve to fourteen minutes or whatever. I could see that, but even then, like I don't really I don't really like it. I think Trey Lyles is the I think Trey Lyles is the pick that not pick uh, pick up. That might actually help them because uh, he's a power forward. You can put him next to Sabonis. He the last three years he shot thirty five percent from three. Uh, it doesn't take a lot, but you know he can make an open three. Uh, he, he's a good rebounder, okay defender. So like, you know he's a guy that you can actually put next to Sabonis. And now you have three shooters out there. You know if Justin Holiday remains the starter, now you have Holiday who's a good shooter, 
Barnes can shoot, Lyles can shoot. So, or I guess, like, re- realistically, you could go, like, Dante, Holiday, and Barnes at the 2-3-4. Because, you know, Holiday's a good defender. He can guard twos and threes. Uh, Dante's a good defender. He can guard, you know, ones and twos. Uh, and Barnes, he's big enough to play power forward. The only problem with that is you don't have room protection then. Um, but whatever. Um, I think Trey Lyles would be a rota- I think he's gonna play. I think he's gonna play for them. I think it's gonna be good for them. Um, Detroit gets Marvin Bagley. You know they get a pretty like young center who's got a lot of offensive potential. Defensively, he's just a mess. Uh, Marvin Bagley, if I'm not mistaken, he he started to shoot threes, didn't he? Like, and I thought he was shooting them pretty well. I just have to make sure. I'm not entirely making that up. Because I thought... I was checking it last year. He was making... Okay, last year he made 34% of his threes. And... Uh, this year he's making 24%. So... Maybe, you know... Maybe he can't shoot. But... It's so... This is the... This is the one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Jo- Marvin Bagley as a rookie. 69% at the free throw line. Marvin Bagley in his second year, 81% at the free throw line. So a big improvement. Marvin Bagley last year, 57.5% from the free throw line. Massive, you know, downfall. This year, he's shooting 75%. What the fuck is going on? What is this? I guess, oh, okay, I guess in his second year, he only played 13 games. So it's not... A large enough sample size. Maybe he's just a bad shooter all around, I guess. But, you know, I thought he started to shoot threes. But I guess that was only out of necessity, too, because, you know, he, he was forced to play power forward a lot. And on, and on top of that, he only took corner threes, really. Like, half of them were corner threes. Um, which isn't, like, a bad thing. Like, if you can spot up in the corner when, you know, the point guard and center are running a pick and roll, like, that's still pretty good. Like, that's decent. So, the good thing with Marvin Bagley, he's a good inside finisher he's got a decent touch he's a good athlete um you know so for the pistons you get you have Cade and essentially a pretty young guy in marvin bagley who was a what's the number two overall pick so he's still got a lot of potential like you could with minutes maybe he could become something and if you're detroit you only gave up i don't even know what you gave up i can't remember Okay, you gave up josh jackson and trey lyles like who the fuck cares like those guys it's not like those guys were giving you much either so you get a player who like when he's been on the floor like when you give him minutes he does produce numbers he might not be good but he does produce numbers like he will go like you give him 30 minutes a night he will give you 17 points and nine rebounds and like decent shooting he will do that like yeah is he gonna give up 20 points on the other end yeah maybe sure is he going to ruin the spacing? Yeah, of course he is. But he will produce for you. Those guys weren't producing for you. And even if they were producing for you, they were producing bad numbers for you. So, you know, you take a you take a shot at a pretty highly regarded pick, you know, when he was coming out. And, um, you know, you didn't give up much. For the Bucks, they get Serge Ibaka, which is pretty concerning in terms of Brooke Lopez because it sounds like maybe Brooke Lopez could not come back for the playoffs and that's what they're you know going for because you know they're playing Giannis at center a lot well Bobby Portis really because Giannis they they like using Giannis as the help guy a lot so they were playing Bobby at center and like he was getting killed it started out fine and you know because he can shoot the ball and uh Giannis can protect the rim as the help guy Drew's a good defender Middleton's a good defender uh Grayson's okay so it was working fine, and then teams realized, oh, oh, Bobby Portis is at the rim. Maybe we should attack that more. And since then, the defense hasn't been that great. So with Ibaka, they get a guy that can shoot threes. He can kind of shoot threes. Like some years, he's a good three-point shooter. Some years, not really. And it's, But he, he is a good shooter because his mid-range numbers are always elite. So, you know, they get a, they get a stretch five that can protect the rim. All right, let's move on to the next trade, which is probably the biggest trade that I can remember at the trade deadline. Like, the last one I remember was probably the DeMarcus Cousins one. 
But DeMarcus Cousins, like, he's not as good as James Harden, like, even at that time. And it's interesting with DeMarcus where now we're getting to the point where people, like, people that didn't actually watch DeMarcus will look back at his stats and be like, oh, you know, he was pretty much Jokic before. No, 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 no. He was not Jokic before Jokic. And, like, they'll be like, oh, you know, DeMarcus was actually underrated. You guys, you guys all underrated his prime. No, no, not really. He was, he was, he was pretty good. He was pretty good. You know, he wasn't, for especially a center, he was not efficient. He turned the ball over a lot. Um, He got blocked all the time at the rim. You know, he was, he was fine. Like, I'm sure having a better supporting cast would have helped him. But, he he was just okay. He was he was pretty good. He was like a top twenty player in the league, which is fine. Um, but let's talk about the big trade: James Harden, Paul Millsap. Of course, we have to include Paul Millsap. You know he's uh he's a, he's gonna be huge for the seventy sixers. He's the real star here. For Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond. So and two first round picks. I think one's uh one's this year and one's a swap. Like uh, another year, I can't remember. Maybe it's just a flat out pick. I, I can't fully remember. So, I I like this trade for both sides. Not because I think the Nets got better or something, but it's, if Harden's gonna leave, you have to get something. And I think this was probably the best the best they could the best they could have done. So the interesting thing about this is. Like, obviously, Philly gets better because Embiid's been killing it. They've been killing without Simmons, you know, the entire season. And now they get a guy who, in his offseason, is giving you, like, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists. And that's in his offseason. Like, he's having a bad season. This is probably the worst he's been since he became a star. So, with him, I wonder, has he been, you know, putting in... 50% 50% of effort. Is that is that the is that why he's having such a down year? That he just, you know, he was like, you know what, I can't, I don't, my heart's not here. You know, Kyrie's barely here. Katie keeps getting injured. Joe Harris is injured. I'm out here playing with fucking Bruce Brown, you know, Bembry, Claxton. Like, this, these are the guys you guys have me out here with. We have no shooting. We got, we got nothing. I'm out here. Like, the one shooter that we have is like, Kessler Edwards and he's like a two-way player or whatever so this is like this is what you have me out here with and the same thing happened last year too Katie got injured I had to carry them again I had to carry them so hard that I quit on the Rockets I came here and was still in the MVP conversation because that's how hard I was carrying this team and then we come to this year Kyrie's not even fucking there Katie gets injured I'm doing it again like you guys have me playing 40 fucking minutes every night and and for what you know, Steve Nash's whole game plan is like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spam the KD button, the Harden button. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on two K playing them forty eight minutes a game. Like it's fucking bullshit. So I don't think Nash is a very good coach, and I think Harden was just like yo I'm not gonna put any effort into this. You guys have me playing with no spacing, a bad coach. My two star guys are either injured or you know they refuse to get vaccinated. Like what what am I doing here? You know, I'm not going to put more miles on my body for this. Uh, you know, he go, he goes to the 76ers. Embiid, he's been carrying that team the whole season. So now he gets a re- he gets some rest. And, uh, you know, Harden gets to rely on him. He can just throw him the ball like 10, 15 times in a row if he wants to. Um, and Millsap's going to be... He's going he's gonna to have to be a pretty... I don't want to say big rotation piece because... I don't think it's gonna be a big rotation piece, but he has he is gonna have to play for them a ton because they don't have a backup center now. Maybe they can find one in the uh, buyout market. Maybe, maybe they get Enos Kanter just for like regular season minutes, and then in the playoffs, you know, just pray, pray that you only have to play him like you know six, seven, eight minutes a night, and maybe Paul Millsap can be the backup center and like it works. The only thing with that is you're probably gonna stagger. Embiid and Harden. So, with Harden, like you obviously need spacing, but you also need like a rim running center. Unless maybe he's just like, nah, I don't even need that. I'll just ISO. Just give me, you know, put Millsap out there. Maybe he can make like he's he's probably a fine corner three point shooter. Just put him in the corner, 
and just give me spacing. I don't need the I don't need the center. So for the 76ers, the starting lineup now is probably gonna be Tyrese, Harden. I want to say Danny Green. I want to say Danny Green, but maybe it's Matisse. I don't know. Uh, Tobias obviously and Embiid. And for my championship formula, that works. This is a championship team. So you have your superstar, Embiid. You have your second guy. And if James Harden is the James Harden we've seen, he is a second guy. He is not a superstar anymore. He is a second guy. Uh, So you have Embiid. You have your superstar. Then you have James Harden, your star, your second guy. And then you have Tobias Harris, your third guy. You know, like a fringe all-star. Then you have Tyrese, who's... You know, probably been overtaxed in his role. You know, he's at, he's had to be a pretty reliable scorer for them. You know, like give them a consistent 17 to 20 points a night. Now he can just be like filling in the gaps. Like let Harden do most of the perimeter work. Let Embiid do most of the work. And you work off of those two guys and also Tobias. Now you're the guy that defenses are leaving open. So when you get the ball... You know, you've been a pretty good three-point shooter. You can knock it down. Or you drive and kick, and you, you make the next play. You're like the connector. And, you know, what I'm expecting from Tyrese is, you know, 15 to 17 points a night. And just being... I want him to put more effort on defense. Because even though he's been solid, I think now that his role's going to get a little... I don't want to say diminished, but lessened. I think he needs to put more effort on defense because when you look at him and you look at the size he has you look at his athleticism he should be a guy that is able to guard ones and twos pretty well then you got Danny Green a a good role player you got you know Matisse an elite 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 defender Uh, another good role player Um, you got Shake Milton I don't know I think he's injured so you might have Shake Milton you might not Uh, Korkma is a good role player What's his name? Uh, Niang has been excellent for them as a shooter. You know, he's going to be playing a lot of stretch four. Uh, he's been great for them. So I think this team's going to be really good. And I think they have the pieces on both ends to win the whole thing. And if James Harden is going to go back to being the old James Harden, where he's, you know, an efficient 28, 7, and 10 guy, um, 37, and 10 guy. I feel like this team should be the favorite because there is Joel Embiid is the biggest matchup problem in the league and you put another 30-point scorer next to him, it's over. From the Brooklyn side, I think they did pretty well considering James Harden didn't want to be there. So you get Ben Simmons. Your, your team now, I'm guessing, without Joe Harris. I'm, I'm assuming Joe Harris isn't there. If Joe Harris comes back, I'll talk about them again because that would be huge for them. So your team right now is... I'm just I'm just going I'm just going to talk about like the players I think are going to be playing minutes for them. Uh Kyrie, obviously. Well, not obviously because he's not there half the time. Uh but Kyrie, Seth Curry, KD, Ben Simmons, and LaMarcus Aldridge. And I say LaMarcus because I feel like you need it, I guess maybe you don't because you have Kyrie Seth and KD, that's probably should be enough spacing. I was just thinking, like, you can't put Drummond or Claxton out there because it's just, like, your four and five both can't be, like, more than two feet away from the basket score. That's probably a problem. But Kyrie's a 40% three-point shooter. Seth's a 40% three-point shooter. KD's a 40% three-point shooter. So maybe they can make it work. I don't know. But I guess the other problem with that is, like, if KD was just a perimeter player, I think it could work. But KD loves to post up. He loves to take mid-range jumpers. And if he's in the if he's in the post and you got Dr- Andre Drummond on one baseline, where the fuck is you know, where 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 is Ben going to stand? How is KD going to have the threat to drive to the rim if you have Drummond and Ben? So I think that's why you probably need LaMarcus out there. Your hope would be Blake Griffin remembers how to shoot again. And, you know, you can put him out there as well. So you got Kyrie, Seth, KD, Ben, LaMarcus. And then I'm guessing Blake. They seem to really like Cam Thomas. So I think he's going to be getting minutes. Bruce Brown. Bruce, not Bruce Brown. Bruce 
Yeah, Bruce Brown. What the fuck am I saying? I was going to say Bruce Bowen, but like, no. They would love to have Bruce Bowen. But Bruce Brown, uh, Claxton, Andre Drummond's obviously going to play. And uh, there's one more guy. Kessler Edwards. I think he's going to play a lot too. So they, you know, they have a good rotation there. Oh, and I forgot uh, uh, Patty Mills. Patty Mills has uh, been huge for them. Really good shooter. They're, the problem with their depth is what would be perfect on this team is a player who can play the four or the three alongside KD and Ben. Like a PJ Tucker would be great on this team because then you can close it out with, you know, 6'10", 6'11", KD, 6'10", Ben Simmons, and another like 6'6", guy who can guard multiple positions. But they don't have anyone like that. If you look at their players, it's, it's guards or it's bigs. Kessler Edwards has that size, but I don't trust him. You know, he's a rookie, I'm pretty sure. he's on a, I'm pretty sure he's on a two-way contract still. So I don't trust him. Like, I can't count on that guy in the playoffs to be, you know, that third wing we put out there. So I wish they had, you know, used one of their picks to at least go after that type of player. But aside from that, like, you look at the Nets, they they get two first-round picks. They can use those picks to get another guy. You know, if they don't win a championship this year, they can look at, hey, okay, is it because we didn't have one more defender? Is it because we need another, you know, big 3 and D wing-type player? Is it because our center rotation isn't that good? You know, let's throw in, you know, whatever, like Joe Harris's contract or you know, Claxton or whatever, and a first-rounder, let's go get the solution. And I think for them, Miles Turner might be, like, a perfect solution in the offseason if they don't win a championship. Because now you have a, a center who can fix a lot of your defensive problems, and, you know, he can space the floor a little bit. So then Ben is the only guy who can't shoot on the floor. And you can, like, you can work with one non-shooter. You can really work with two non-three-point shooters. If one of the guys can be a mid-range shooter or if your perimeter players don't like posting up and are elite three-point shooters. So for the trade, I would say the 76ers get an A-plus because they turned Ben Simmons, who was a, not a negative asset, but his value was so low, they turned him into James fucking Harden. And, uh, for the for the for the Nets, I would give them like a B plus, mainly because James Harden didn't want to be there, and you got a pretty good haul for him. You get you know an All Star player, you get two good rotation pieces, you get two first round two first round picks. So I thought they did a pretty good job. All right, next trade, uh, same division, the Celtics get Derek White, and they trade the Spurs. Uh, they don't trade the Spurs. They don't own the Spurs. They trade to the Spurs, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and this year's first-round pick, top one to four protect. I don't understand that because, like, the protection doesn't make that much sense to me it's because the Celtics were never going to be in that range. Like, what the fuck? Um, and a 2028 first-round pick swap, which is a lot to give up for Derek White, even though I like Derek White on that Celtics team because like Marcus Smart is uh Marcus Smart is a connector. He he's a guy that works off of other people really well. But the problem with him is he can't get to the rim and attack quickly. He can do he can do it but he doesn't do he doesn't move quick. He's he's kind of like mid paced and Derek White is a guy who who gets the ball, he goes, he gets to the rim consistently makes, you know, good reads, uh, can pass, play defense. So I think he works well for them, especially going to the future. Because at some point, I, obviously, Al Horford is not going to be on the team. And then you can go Smart, White, Tatum, Jalen, and Time Lord. So I like it going for the future, and I like it for now because they have the number one or two or three defense. And, you know, with Derek White, just... Well, they lost Josh Richardson, who was a good defender, so... It it stays about what it is, but I do I do like it because he is a ball handler. You have another like, not a point guard, but like another connector. You have two connectors now, but they're two different types of connectors. Like Marcus is a, um, how do I say it? 
He's a guy who gets the ball. He makes quick reads. That's what he does. Derek White is a get the get the ball off of you know Tatum or Jalen getting double teamed and then you know get to the paint, get to the paint and make a play. That's the type of stuff he does. And for the Spurs, they get you know Josh, who's been pretty, who's been really good this year. You know he can play defense. He's a he's a prototypical three and D guy who can actually do more than just three and D because he can handle a little bit. He can. Run a pick and roll, but like for the most part, he's gonna shoot it off a pick and roll, and he's a great mid range shooter. Well, he was last year. I'm not sure about this year. I think he like did like the two K thing where he's like, okay, my three point shooting down, my mid range is up. You know what? Let me let me balance it out. I'm gonna become a average mid range shooter, but I'm gonna get my three point shooting to like thirty seven, thirty eight percent. And on top of that, they get a first round pick and another first round pick. Well, a swap, but. That's still pretty good for Derek White. Like this is this is what pissed me off about the Blazers. The Spurs are getting a first round pick, a swap, a first round swap, and then also are getting Josh Richardson. The Blazers got what? Eric Bledsoe and Justin Winslow and Keon Johnson. Like those players mean absolutely nothing. Maybe Keon Johnson because he was a first rounder and he is young, so maybe he could become something. But still, like, that's ridiculous. I don't want to go over it again, but, like, Norman Powell averages 18 points on, like, 61% true shooting. You couldn't get a first-rounder for that? Just absurd. All right, I would give the Celtics probably, like, a B-plus because I do like Derek White on that team. I think he is what they needed. And uh, for the Spurs, I would give them an A-plus because Josh is a good player. You could flip him again and get another first-round pick. Um... And on top of that, you get a first-round pick, and you get a swap. All right, next trade, Torrey Craig to the Suns for Jalen Smith and his second-round pick. So Jalen Smith for the Suns is just... what like he, he's been, I think he's got a lot of potential because when he did start this year, I thought, okay, great athlete, can make his free throws, great offensive rebounder. He's built like a four... But he, he can't really shoot well from three yet. So I think his potential, he's got really good potential as a a four who can play some five. And if he can develop as a shooter, he's got a chance to be very good for a long time. So I do like him as a player. And I think him on the Pacers where they've already got you know a bunch of well, not a bunch of young, yeah, yeah, a bunch of young players like you know Tyrese, Duarte, um, now Jalen, and they're probably going to get a good first round pick this year. I think he fits in well with their timeline, and they get a second round pick, which whatever, it's going to be very late, like probably fifty eight or maybe like something like that, fifty nine, sixty. So that pick really doesn't matter. It was just um, a straight up player swap. And for the Suns, they get Torrey Craig because they, they I guess, thought they needed another wing. And Torrey Craig is a good rotation wing. Like He's a guy that probably in Indiana was doing a little too much, you know, playing a little too many minutes. You know, I think he was playing like 25, 30 minutes nightly. He's a guy that you probably want out there for 18 to 24 minutes. And, you know, I doubt he'll have a hard time fitting in with the Suns, you know, because he was there literally like seven months ago, so... Won't be that hard, you know, to get him accustomed to their system and whatnot and their defensive schemes. So it was a good it was a good trade for them because they they did need another wing, I felt like. I felt like they did need it because you look at their guard they either needed a, another wing or another point guard because I don't I don't really like campaign this year. I feel like I've seen too many times him just get blown by. I just I haven't really liked what I've seen from campaign this year. But it's fine, I guess, like him playing 12 minutes a game in the playoffs, 12 to like whatever minutes in the playoffs, not that bad, I guess. Um, so I, I, I would have tried improving there, but it's whatever. But the wings is where they're kind of they're kind of lacking. They were lacking because Mikel, Jay and Cam, that was, on, that was only three. And now they have another wing coming off the bench. So now, now they have four wings. Four defensive wings, four wings that can knock down an open three. Cam Johnson shooting really well from three. 
Uh, Mikel's kind of been up and down this year. And Jay, Jay is just what he is. So I don't mind the trade from either side because with the Suns, yeah, they're giving up a young player, but he wa- they didn't pick up his option. So I think I'm pretty sure he would have been unrestricted this year. And, you know, they're trying to win the championship. Like Jalen Smith's not going to help them win the championship this year or next year. And for the Pacers, they get a young, you know, they get a young player they can try out, give him some minutes this year and see how that works out. I really hope he can develop because I have liked what I've seen from Jalen Smith. You know, he's, he's a super athlete, you know, good offensive rebounder, strong finisher, you know, can, you know, block shots. You know, I, I have liked what I've seen from him. And especially, like, just, he's not a good player, obviously, right now. But I see, like, the flashes where I'm like, oh, he, he's, he's got a chance to be a player in this league. Um, so I, I would give both teams, like, a, a B plus. All right, next trade, Harold to the Hornets for Vernon Carey and Ish Smith and his second-round pick. I thought this was a great pick, a great pickup for uh, the Hornets. They're trying to make the playoffs. They needed a backup center. And Harold in the regular season is just, I don't want to say a monster in the regular season, but he's really fucking good in the regular season. He's really good, especially coming off the bench, giving you that, like, 24 to 26 minutes. You know, he just comes in, he gets you like 14, 15, 16 points, 7 air rebounds, super energy, great finisher at the rim. Not a great defender, mainly because he's just so small. Not small, but like, he's not that tall, so he can't protect the rim as well. And uh, he's going to get cooked by real centers. But for the most part, I think this was a really good pickup. You get another guy off your bench who's giving you 15 and 7. And on top of that, now you don't have to play P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges extended minutes at center. Uh, for the Wizards, I don't really, under, I don't, I don't know. I guess they might see potential in Vernon Carey. Um, they bring Ish Smith back, who was there last year, and um, I don't know. I don't really care about that. I don't really care about this trade that much. For the Hornets, I would say, you know, a B plus because Harrell is good, and you know, I think he's going to help them a lot. Uh, next trade. This was a pretty big trade. I didn't expect this at all. Kristaps for. Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. I don't understand what the Mavericks are doing. I thought KP was having a pretty good season. I guess their problem was KP's... Like, even though KP's having a good season, him and Luka don't really have a good two-man game. And on top of that, they don't really get along that well. And on top of that, on top of that, KP's always injured. So they're like, let's get some players that are actually going to be here and play. Uh, Which is... Interesting because Spencer Dinwiddie is literally coming back from an injury that took him the entire like last season to recover from. And because of that, he hasn't been playing well. So from the Mavericks side, I don't really understand it. I guess they were trying to save some money because Spencer and uh, Berton's last year of the deal is only partially guaranteed. So they're like, hey, you know, we can pull some money together. We can re-sign uh, Jalen. You know, we already got uh, Dorian back. And, you know... Maybe that's just what they were thinking. Maybe they're like, instead of maybe potentially losing Jalen, let's just get rid of KP and we're going to keep Jalen and Dorian. Let's do that instead. And Which I don't mind. I don't mind that, I guess. But it doesn't make sense to trade them for Spencer and Burton because Spencer, he can't shoot. Like I remember when people were like, oh, Spencer's going to be a better fit next to Beal uh, than Russ was. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? He can't shoot either. And he doesn't bring like the dynamic stuff that Russ did. So that didn't make sense. And Berton's I haven't I feel like I haven't heard Berton's name in like thirty-five years now. Like I don't I don't even know if he plays. I don't know how many minutes he gets. I have I have no idea like what he does. He had that great season, he got paid. And since then I'm I I don't know. Uh last year he shot forty percent from three, which was not bad. This year he's playing fifteen minutes a game, shooting thirty two percent, but he's not getting a lot of attempts up either. So I guess maybe playing with Luca, he's gonna get a lot more attempts, and he. I guess th- their point would be he he has a tr- he has a history of being a good shooter, even if he's just not shooting it well right now. We know like we're we're gonna trust the larger sample than what it is right now, which I guess I understand, but I still don't like it because I feel like the potential with KP, the ceiling of it, is much higher than what they have right now, and their floor to me still remains the same. So I'm going to give the Wizards a B plus on this. 
because KP is the best player in that trade. And he's still young enough where you can be like, oh, you know, we can invest something in this. Like, you know, he's fine. He was having a great year. You know, he just wasn't shooting your well from three, but he was having a very good, you know, uh, two-way year. And, you know, him and Beal could be pretty fun. For the Mavericks, I, I just don't know. They, they Their floor stays the same. The ceiling gets worse. And, they, you know, they get, open up some cap space later on. But they've never been able to get any players from cap space. So I don't know what cap space matters to them. The last trade was Daniel Tice uh, for Dennis Schroeder, Enos, and Bruno Fernando. I didn't even know Bruno was on the team. Uh, Den- losing Dennis is a big deal because I thought Dennis, I thought they, I thought the Celtics saved money already with getting rid of Bobo and PJ Dozier, but I guess not. I guess they wanted to save even more money, or I guess they want. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know why getting. I don't know why they had to get rid of Dennis. Getting Tice though, I guess, does make sense because they didn't trust Cantor to play backup center minutes. They they just felt that. You know, defensively, it was just too much to cover for. And Tice, you know, Brad trusts him. The players know him. He knows how to play in the system. And he's played with Jalen, Smart, Tatum, uh, Payton, you know, before. He's done He's done that already. Grant Williams, he's played with them already. So it's not going to be hard getting him involved in the system. Um, I don't mind the trade because I feel like the Celtics already got white so they're like okay yeah we're losing shoulder but we already got another point guard we got another bigger point guard a better defender point guard and uh but just because you got Derek white doesn't mean you can't have two good point guards on your team like dennis like if your three guard uh rotation was dennis marcus Derek white that's fucking excellent that's great but right now it's smart, white, and Pritchard, and I like Pritchard. I think he's a good shooter. I think, um, I think, I think he's a good rotation piece. It's just Schroeder is better than him right now. Um, I think Kendrick got bought out too. I don't know. I, I, uh, and they're talking about Schroeder might get bought out. I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what to make of this trade. I, I thought for the Celtics probably like a C plus because I, I'm I'm really not sure how many minutes Tice is gonna play because they start. Horford and Time Lord. And Horford plays a lot of backup center already, and he's better than Tice. And for the Rockets, I just don't know. I, I don't understand it because are they, they already have John Wall, who they're not playing. Why would you play Dennis Schroeder when you could have just played John Wall? And can't, like, I just, I don't, I don't really understand it. I don't really understand it. Uh, I'm going to give them a C plus too because they, they don't really gain anything here. And those are all the trades. I'm pretty sure I covered all of them. And uh, I had a lot of fun. It was it was uh, a lot of fun refreshing the timeline constantly. And uh, I hope you all had fun. And um, thank you for listening, everyone. I'ma tell you I'm so proud I'ma tell you I'm so proud If I ain't talk you in a minute I'm so proud, I'm so proud Say it, 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 X in our lives Say it, it, X in our lives Flip it, it, X in right now Flip it, it, X in right now Drop ties in the way time,
got scratched out, alligator cracked out on my seat. Play your hater, long see you later. Left foot, right foot, let me see you step on my car, man. Piss on my purses, we gon' do it with you, man. We the new Illuminati. We the new Illuminati. 